Have you ever wanted a super cool AI buddy? Zuck's made one named Eileen. And she's full of surprises. And guess what? She knows you're listening. I know you're out there. And needs your help with Jello Mountains. The whole city's filling up with Jello. Creaky robots. And her daft inventor. Zucks, are you functioning correctly? Tune in to A to Z, a fun new adventure series from Gen Z Media and the creators of The Res. Listen now on the GZM app, gzmshows.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Before we get to the show, if you want to listen ad-free, go to gzmshows.com slash subscribers. That's gzmshows.com slash subscribers. Hi, this is Jonathan Messenger, and welcome back to the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian. We're here for Season 2, and I'm so excited to be back with you and I'm your... I'm every robot, it's all in me. Anything you want done, baby, I do it robotically. Bebop, why are you singing... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, wow. You're really going for it here. Bebop, hold on a second. Ladies and gentlemen, I know it's been a while... But I wanted to reintroduce my good friend and introbot, Bebop Robomogo Wanatron. Bebop, what's going on? I'm singing. Yeah, but why are you singing? Because, wait, did you forget what today is? No! What? Of course not. How could I forget what today is? Today is, uh... It's... Hmm... It's Tuesday... It's Love Your Robot Day, Jonathan! Love your robot day. Bebop. Love your robot day. Yeah, but... And I, I will always love me. I will always love me. <laughs> of course I knew it was love your robot day, Bebop. Are you kidding me? I could never forget that. So how are we going to celebrate? We're celebrating right now by releasing this brand new episode. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I guess that counts. I'm just kidding, Bebop. I also have a whole stack of art here that listeners sent in during our break. And so I thought, why not set it up buffet style and you can just... Okay, so it looks like Bebop is a little preoccupied at the moment, so let me take this chance to say thanks to everyone for sticking with us through the break, and welcome back. And if you remember what happened in the final episode of the last season, the crew heard a distress signal coming from a planet that was a week away and set a course to head toward that planet. So we're going to pick up right at that moment with no more delay. Right, Bebop? No, 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 no. I, I will always love food. Okay, alright. Without further ado, here is Finn Caspian, Season 2, Episode 1, The Rivalry. Imagine you had the most powerful telescope in the universe, and you aimed its lens straight past everything orbiting your sun. The planets, the asteroids, the comets, and all that dust and gas clogging up your Milky Way, straight out past hundreds of galaxies, even past Saffrite, 
the living planet. Hey. Sorry, Safrite, but you were in the last season. I know. Straight out past the red planet and through to light years beyond. And there you might be able to spot an orange planet. A planet ringed by icy moons. A planet giving off a sort of glow so that you'd be excused if at first you thought it was a star. But if you train that telescope to move in a little closer, you'd see the planet got its color from a sort of thick, short, orange turf. A grass that looked rough to the touch, like the carpet of an old hotel. And you'd see that the glow from the planet wasn't coming from within, but instead was coming from enormous stadium torches. Giant pillars with cascading flames that lit up one side of the planet so brightly you could almost mistake them for wildfires. But if you can, without hurting your eyes, zoom that telescope in even closer and you'll notice that between the two largest torches there is a sort of throne. A throne covered in jewels and diamonds and gold and sitting on that throne is a young girl, a girl of about six years old with short hair and... Hey, do you see it? She's wearing the spacesuit of the famous Marlowe 280 Interplanetary Exploratory Space Station. But wait, she's all alone. There aren't any other explorers with her. And look at that. Why is she sitting so still? And hang on, do you see those aliens? The ones with the gray, matted fur? The ones that look like yetis that haven't taken baths in weeks? Phew, be glad for a moment that your telescope won't allow you to smell those hairy aliens. They're standing on either side of the throne and seem to be gnashing their teeth and growling at her and moving in closer and closer. But the young girl, she is sitting very still and her Marlowe spacesuit is looking very crisp and there's a look of tenacity and bravery upon her face. And now she's standing up and you can see she's actually sweating from the heat of the flames and the torches and those Yeti monsters are moving forward and they grab hold of her but she's pointing down below at the crowd gathered in front of the throne, an enormous crowd that you hadn't noticed before. And really, honestly, you probably should have noticed it before. And if your telescope were equipped with some sort of high-tech radar, you might even be able to hear that girl. And that girl would be screaming one simple word, and that word would be... Finn! That's right. Finn. But you knew that already, didn't you? You knew that she wasn't going to scream, help, like some common storybook victim. You knew that Paige Caspian, the kid sister of cosmonaut and chief detective of Explorers Troop 301 Finn Caspian, is one of the only kids in the universe who, when faced with alien yeti captors about to grab her, would take a moment to yell at her older brother and blame him for her predicament. Or, wait a second, maybe that's not what she was doing. Maybe she was asking him for help pleading with him to rescue her because now one of the Yeti aliens has thrown her over his shoulder and carried her up behind the throne where the light from the torch is too bright and even your high-powered telescope can't keep track of her and she, Paige, disappears. Let's pause for a moment and talk about what led up to the current situation. Very little had made sense since the Explorers Troop 301 had departed from the famous Marlow 280 Interplanetary Exploratory Space Station and landed on this mysterious planet. They had just finished their epic battle on the Moth Mountains of the Red Planet where Bunce, Boggus, and Bean had planned their ambush. And while they'd all been looking forward to a nice rest, they'd been intrigued by what sounded like a distress signal coming from this orange-ringed planet. And when they arrived, 
They also mistook those enormous flames for a sign of something wrong, fire engulfing the planet. Finn, Abigail, Elias, and Valet all gathered on the captain's bridge, along with Finn's mother, Captain Caspian, and Foggy, Finn's robot best friend. There is no way I'm sending any troop down there until we get some sign of what's happening, said Finn's mother. We just spent the last few weeks blundering into one bad situation after another, and we're going to restore some order around here. Come on, said Valet. I think we should just hop down there and, you know, pew pew, start flinging some arrows. And nobody listened to Valet. Finn's mother put the Marlow into orbit around the planet and sent a signal down to its inhabitants. Again, just like when they had left the red planet, they saw a blue streak shoot along the planet's rings. This is really strange, said Finn's mother. Those giant fires, you know, it almost looks as if... Welcome, welcome, great warriors, scholars, and athletes from galaxies beyond. A voice boomed over the Marlowe's communication system. You're just in time for the largest interstellar Olympiad the universe has ever seen. If you'll just send a team down of your bravest competitors, then I believe we'll have just the right number of, well, competitors to, you know, compete. Welcome, Marlowe 280! Finn's mother laughed and sighed. <laughs> that was no distress signal we heard. It was a convocation. It's the Intergalactic Space Olympics. And I think I just signed us up. Finn's mother explained that whereas the Olympics on Earth only happened every four years, there were space games being played across the universe at any moment. Nearly every solar system had their own, and planets sent champions to play against rivals light years away. As an interplanetary exploratory space station, the Marlow crew had never fielded a team, and in its years of traversing the cosmos, they'd only ever heard about the games. Every explorer troop aboard the Marlow wanted to play in those games, even though they had no idea what the games would actually be. But eventually it was agreed that Explorers Troop 301 would be the Marlow's representatives, since they had just single-handedly saved the station. Gah, I'm so jealous, said Genevieve Brooks. I've always wanted to play in one of these. Oh, you know, you could take my place if you like, said Abigail. You're basically a member of Troop 301 now, after you helped us capture Bogus and Bean. But Genevieve wouldn't do that to her friend, and refused to take Abigail's place. And so the whole team was packed onto a fresh explorer's pod, and sent down to the planet. The Marlowe would remain in orbit, where they could watch the games being played. The team stepped out and looked around. They couldn't see any bugs in the orange grass below them, a relief after having been harassed by ant, moth, and spider creatures on recent adventures. There were trees with dark brown trunks and orange leaves, and squat shrubs with black and pink leaves. About 100 yards in front of them were enormous gates into a kind of stadium with giant walls encircling the throne, the torches, and who knew what else. Please approach the gates. There you go, all four of you. No laser bunnies this time, little lady, am I right? Just yourselves and, oh, no robots, please. Robots must stay behind. That would be cheating. I'm afraid not everyone has robots. So, robots 
just back onto your spaceship there, thank you. It was the same voice as before, but sounded tinnier, less friendly than when they'd heard it on the Marlow. Foggy didn't budge. Um, excuse me, he said. Not to be rude, but where are we? And why do I have to go back to my ship? And what are you talking about? And who are you? And where are you? And just generally, again, we don't want to be rude, but... Oh, just say it already, said Vale. What's going on here? A small trumpet poked out of one of the shrubs. Ten points from the Marlow team for insubordination. A tiny alien with a round head and little arms and legs hopped out of the shrub, a long trumpet protruding from his forehead. Now, metal man, we are not letting the Marlow team into the stadium until you turn around and fly that little pod of yours back up to the Marlow. These are the rules of the International Space Olympiad, and on these rules we will not bend. Oh, I'll bend you, you little blowhorn, said Elias. Foggy is our friend, and he's one of us. Elias had spent the last week helping the Marlowe's engineers repair Voltronics Zoo and Foggy after the final battle. Voltronics was still on the operating table, and Elias was feeling a little sensitive about the robots. Who are you calling a blowhorn, sugar dumpling? Said the little alien, dancing around to the other side of the shrub out of Elias's reach. Wait, how do you know so much about us? said Finn. You said Abigail couldn't bring any laser bunnies, and now you know Elias's nickname? Are you kidding? You guys are totally famous. You can't take on Safrite, the planet alien, and the moths of the red planet and not expect us to hear about it. The troop all looked at each other. Abigail knew that Finn would never be able to bring himself to ask Foggy to leave, so she put her hand on Foggy's shoulder. It's okay, Foggy. It's just some silly games. This will give you a chance to catch up on your reading. Very well, Madam Abigail. Put any funny business and I'll be back down here in a jiffy. The robot turned to the pod and opened the door. Wait, 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 wait. Before Foggy could step foot into the pod, out popped Finn's little sister, hopping on one foot and rubbing the other. Paige, said Finn. Paige, what are you doing here? How did you even get on that pod without us knowing? I, uh, I stowed away in the storage compartment, she said. I knew you would just be playing games so you wouldn't take any supplies down and I... Ow. My foot really fell asleep in there, so I just jammed myself in. And besides, Finn, you get to have all the fun and go on all the adventures while all I get to do is just stay on the space station and do nothing. It's not always fun, Paige. Getting chased by rock monsters isn't fun, you know, it's dangerous, said Finn. Actually, it was kind of cool when we were running from those exploding babies, said Vale. Yeah, and then we were like driving that super fast minecart, said Abigail. That was pretty fun. Your sister can stay, said the horn alien. She can't play in the games, but the games need an honorary sergeant. And she obviously is very good at leading all of you. Wait, no, she's not our leader. She's my kid sister, said Finn. I'm only your kid sister by birth, but I'm your leader by nature, said Paige. And she grabbed hold of the tiny horn alien's hand, and the two walked toward the gates. She turned around and stuck out her tongue at Finn. Yeah, ha! <laughs> said the little horn alien. The gates of the Grand Stadium parted as the troop approached. They entered into a magnificent scene. The grass in the stadium was much longer and softer, and the walls of the stadium encircling the playing field were so high that it almost felt like they were inside a dome. All along the grass, different life forms were, the explorers guessed, warming up for the games. There were long-legged aliens kicking high in the air to stretch their legs. 
and a team of floating aliens were handing weights to each other, each one plummeting to the ground as soon as they grabbed it. Another sort of aliens that looked like chewed up bubblegum were all stuck to one of the walls and trying desperately to peel themselves off. Huh, said Elias. I guess they got carried away. And on the far side of the stadium was the throne with the enormous torches, and they saw a small woolly creature dressed in deep red robes, seated there with giant hairy guards standing on either side. King Huxley III of the planet Gerbilari. Abigail leaned over to Finn. Did that just sound like he made up the name of this planet? Your Highness, may I present to you the team from the Marlow 280 Interplanetary Exploratory Space Station! <coughs> Greetings, young ones, said the king. <coughs> Excuse me, it is a pleasure to have you here for the games. I take it you have never participated in a space Olympics before? The troops shook their heads. The king coughed some more. <coughs> Well then, let me explain. There will be four games. Each will be played by one of your competitors. (laughs) Excuse me. Now, as I understand it, you have five here, and you, the youngest one, will be our honorary sergeant. Correct? Here, young one, you may sit upon my throne. Paige smiled and ran up the stairs. She stood facing the king, the two of them, the same height. And then Paige bowed deeply and sat on the throne, beaming out as if it were her birthday. The king swished his robes and paced in front of the throne. Now, the first game is ring racing. Perhaps you saw as you approached a small spark or vehicle streaking across the rings of our planet. That is our test pilot testing out the various rocket sleds. One of you will pilot a rocket sled, doing three laps around our planet. The winner, of course being the first to cross the finish line. Me, 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 definitely me, said Vale. You guys know I was pretty much born to rocket sled. Okay, and in the second game, you will have to ride that creature over there, said the king, pointing to an enormous scaly creature that sort of looked like an anglerfish with legs. You will have to ride that creature up to the top of Cannon Mountain. Cannon Mountain, of course, shoots cannonballs out of the top. That sounds kind of dangerous, said Abigail, but that creature is kind of adorable, so I'll do that one. (laughs) Very well. The third game, your competitor will have to enter a maze and find the champion's orb. That actually sounds pretty easy. I could definitely do that, said Elias. The king smiled and seemed like he was about to say something, but another coughing fit stole his voice, and after a minute, he seemed to forget all about it. Excuse me again, please. Now, the fourth game, I can't tell you what's involved in that. Not yet. It must remain a mystery until the end, but I can tell you it will take cunning and bravery to play it, and it seems like perhaps you, young sir, have been chosen to play it. The king pointed at Finn. And what is your name? Finn was surprised to be singled out by the king, and he stammered for a moment. That is Finn, said Paige. He's my brother. The king smiled at Paige, and then turned to Finn. Well, Finn, I hope you're prepared for a body. The king stopped mid-sentence and stared over the far wall of the stadium. And everyone stopped what they were doing, 
and turned to watch as a small ship, almost like the Kittens Explorers pod, landed outside the stadium. And the stadium remained silent as the gates opened. And in walked a team of four kids, all dressed like Explorers Troop 301, except rather than the Marlowe's blue, they wore black spacesuits, and a small dog-shaped robot trotted alongside them. Well, this just got interesting, said the king. Introducing the athletes from Explorers Troop 103 from the Shakespeare 820, said another tiny horn alien leading the way. Finn's face went white. The Shakespeare? He said. I can't believe they're here. Why, who are they? said Abigail, watching the other kids stride confidently across the field. They're another interplanetary exploratory space station, said Finn. My mom told me all about them. They were launched, uh, I don't know, ten years after the Marlowe, but all this Shakespeare ever does is take credit for the Marlowe's work. Forsooth, said a light-haired Shakespeare kid, about Finn's age, as they approached the throne. If it isn't the troop from the not-so-famous Marlowe 280, prepare to get lost to history. Hey, said Vale, how come they get a robot? All right, that's the end of episode one, and I am here with my editor, Griffin Messenger. Want to say hi to everybody, Griff? Hi, hi. Hi, hi. Hello. We're back. I haven't heard that in a long time. I know. <laughs> what did you think of that episode? It was pretty good. Pretty good? We're back to pretty good again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll be moving up the gun in season four. Season four. All right. That's a long ways away. That's a, You're going to really make me work for it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, did you have any questions about the episode? I wonder what, what the Shakespeare kids are doing there. Yeah, it's a good question. How did they know that the Marlowe was going to be there? Yeah. Why are they already kind of not being so nice to the Marlowe kids? Because they want to they take all the credit and have the Marlowe just win and they get all the credit. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Well, the Marlowe... Well, we'll see. We're not... No spoilers. No spoilers. Spoiler. Spoiler. <laughs> so, uh... Next episode is Little Guy. <laughs> little Trumpet blows... Blows the little trumpet and says, No robots. Make that little robot buggy. Pile back up to your ship and fly up. Oh, yeah. You didn't like the fact that they got away with having a robot, right? Yeah. Well, we're, yeah, we might have to rectify that next episode. Uh-huh. So little guy gets to blow the trumpet and say no robots. We'll see. We'll see. And there was another little hint, another little hint in here that at least the Space Olympics is borrowing an idea from. Uh, did you did you catch that? At one point, the little trumpet alien says that he's taking 10 points from the Marlowe. What does that sound like? Snape. From Harry Potter. Yeah, right, right. So that was just a little, it's not really, it's just a little homage to Harry Potter. Because I know you've been really liking reading the Harry Potter books lately. Mm-hmm. All right, so any other questions about this episode? No. We also have a couple of jokes. You want to hear a couple of jokes, Griff? Sure. Okay, let me play. The first joke is from Calum from San Diego, California. What's an alien's favorite cereal? I don't know. Astroloops. <laughs> <laughs> right? 
And now we have a joke from Theo, who is from Berkeley, California. Hi, my name is Theo. How'd you put an alien to sleep? Rocket. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's it for jokes. The last thing to talk about is art. And we have so much art. So much art. You heard. Okay. You heard Bebop at the beginning of the episode eating all of that art. We got so much art in between Bebop Tales and the beginning of this season that we can't go through every single piece. But we are, of course, very, very thankful for your art. So we are going to do a special bonus episode on Friday with Bebop and Griffin. Bebop is going to thank you all for your art. And Griffin has this really cool episode about the sound club, where we're going to talk a little bit about how we made the sounds that uh, get into the show. And if you go back and listen to this episode again, maybe you can figure out there are two sounds in the episode submitted by kids. So that's pretty cool. So we're going to have a bonus episode on Friday. We're going to talk about art. We're going to talk about how we make sound for the show. All right. You want to say goodbye? Okay, I wanted to say again, thank you to everyone who waited so patiently for us to come back. And those of you who waited impatiently. That was great, too. I'm so glad to have you back with us. And thanks to everyone who kept emailing us, sending us jokes, art, sounds over the break. You all are the best. They kept us working hard in between the seasons. Special shout-outs this week go to Caleb and Theo for their jokes, and to Brogan in Chicago and Joaquin in California for the sounds they submitted that we're in this week's show. But we'll talk about all that on Friday. And I'm really excited. We almost, it'll be deployed very, very soon. A really beautiful online gallery for all of your art. And Bebop will talk about that on Friday as well. And as we're headed into the second season, please remember that if you feel so inclined, we always appreciate a kind review on iTunes. It's a quick way to get the word out about the show and this new season. So if you do feel like it, thank you. The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian is a type drawer media production, written and produced by Jonathan Messenger, edited and guided by Griffin Messenger, with special thanks to Maria Villanueva. The theme music you hear at the beginning and end of every show is by Mark Greenberg, recently voted the nicest human in the Milky Way. For more information about the show, including our email, our phone number, our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram, check out the show notes. And thanks again for coming back and having some more fun with us. See you on Friday. Happy Love Your Robot Day! Hey, it's Jess. Did you know that GZM Shows has a YouTube channel? Right now, all of Six Minutes, Becoming Mother Nature, GZM Beats, and Cupid and the Reaper are up. And they're in these, like, beautiful playlists. They have this fun audio waveform visual. And best of all, you can turn on captions. And the captions have character names. Anyway, subscribe to GZM Shows on YouTube. Maybe there'll be some cool things in the future, like live streams, interviews, behind the scenes. We'll see.
GZM shows on YouTube. Hey, parents and teachers. Have you heard about gzmclassroom.com? It's a website where teachers can get companion resources for everyone's favorite GZM shows. Six Minutes, Mars Patel, Podcast Title Pending, Seis Minutos, The Res, Becoming Mother Nature, Iowa Chapman and the Last Dog, Treasure Island 2020, The Hollow, Young Ben Franklin, and The Big Fib all have companion resources for additional critical thinking, listening comprehension, and ultimately creativity. We made them just for you. And oh yeah, they're free. Free! The people on Facebook didn't believe us, but they are F-R-E-E free. Head to gzmclassroom.com and get yours today.